called on my name. Even while they were falling, they were saved. Because what does the word say? Those that call upon my name. Those that call upon my name. You know, they might have lived a horrific life. They might have lived a sinful life and never, never set foot in a church. But do you know I believe what the Word says? Those that call upon my name shall be saved. And that's what happened. There was a lot of people entered in, entered into the gates of heaven because they called on the name of Jesus. Jesus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do you know that there is nobody that I know of? I mean, I just, I've never heard of a story where anybody would call out, Oh, Buddha, Buddha, save me. In terrific stress and pressure, people call. It's a natural instinct inside of us because who created us? We call out upon the creator, our creator. And we call on his name, Jesus. So a lot of people that don't live the life of, that we live in church as, as uh, worshiping and, 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 and reading the word and praising and singing. But if they, at the end of their life, call upon Jesus, they're saved. Because I believe the word. The word says those that call upon him shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Is that it? There we go. Who are you meeting with this morning? I hope you didn't come to see me. You're going to be disappointed. Hope you didn't come just to see each other. I want to I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about who we are. I want to talk to you about Oh, we'll be talking about exchange, but we're not going to use that term this morning. We're going to use something different, okay? So join with me in prayer, would you? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you for your grace, your overwhelming grace, the power to be who you've made us. Lord, tell us what we should hear. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Um, Ephesians 5.30 says, For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. We are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. We are one with him one with him now I want you to bear with me just a little bit I want to go back 
and lay a little groundwork so we're all on the same page, okay? When you're born into this world, you're born with Adam's nature. You were born a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. The problem is that when Adam sinned, his spirit died. So you were born at the very core, dead. I want you to think about three circles. The very center circle being your spirit. The next outward circle being your soul. And the third outward circle being your body. An unregenerate man, woman, a lost man, one that is not in Christ, at their very core, they are dead. Okay? Now, a person who is in Christ has been what? Born again. Their spirit has been made alive. So at their very core, they have been given life. So, guess what happens at the very core of the dead man? Death spreads. Do you think uh, that Adam was created imperfect? No way. God created him. God built him. He was perfect. But because he was dead at the core, after 939 years, death spread through his whole being. He died. In Christ, death was swallowed up by victory. So life is at your very core. If you're in Christ Jesus, life is at your very core. So life spreads through your soul and into your body. The Scripture says it this way. He who raised Jesus from the dead, if that same Spirit dwells in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. You think the Word speaks in vain? No way. Now, why do I say that? Because I'm going to jump off into a concept that if you don't understand that, you won't be able to go with me. Okay? Now, Jesus didn't come to make this guy over here moral. Because this guy over here, the one born with Adam's nature, is a mortal. There is an end to his life. He is a mortal. Okay? Now, can this mortal be moral? Of course he can. He can keep rules. He can do some things and all that. But how does it work for you long term? We, we don't keep them very well. Right? So if you're trying to be a moral somebody... Guess what you're trying to do it with? You're trying to do it with something that's dead at the core. Jesus did not come to make us moral. I'm not going to stand up here and preach rule keeping to you. That is so far below what I'm going to preach to you. What I'm going to preach to you today 
is that you have been made immortal. You are not mortal anymore. You are immortal. You will never die. It's impossible for you to die. That's the truth. Okay, you say, well, wait a minute. We have funerals all the time. What are you talking about? Okay. Come with me. Come with me here. Our English language is kind of pitiful when it comes to describing some things. Okay? Love is one of those examples. I think there's like 15 words for love in the Greek language, and there's one in the English language. Life is the same way. Now, there's life in the Scripture, and the Greek word for that life of God is called zoe. That's God's own uncreated life, the life that He imparts to us, the part that causes us to be born again. That's the life that's imparted to us. It's God's own life. Since God has no beginning... And he has no end. How can you die? It's impossible. Because his own life has been imparted to you. Yeah. If that ain't good news, I don't know where the good news is. All right? Now, there's another part of us called the suke. It's our soul life. It's our mind, will, and emotions. And a lot of places in the Scripture, the English language says life. And when you look that word up, it's actually suke, or your soul life. And then there's the part we relate to the earth with. It's called bios, or natural life. And you got all three of those when you're born again. you got them all three. That's pretty great stuff. So you're no longer dead at your core when you're born again. You have the very uncreated life of God in you. And it cannot be changed. So now let me read this to you one more time. For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. And Ephesians 1.22 says, He put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body. The fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Now that's King James talk that says, You're full of Christ. And He's full of you. You're full of Christ and He's full of you. Now tell me how that works. We don't know, but we just know it does. We're led by the Spirit of God. If you want to know how that works, be led of the Spirit, and you will be sons of God. Romans eight fourteen. Now, I want you to hear that Jesus prayed for this very thing. Right before He was going to the cross, He did this. He goes to the garden... And he buys our suke, our soul. In the garden, he poured out his soul as an offering for our sin. 
It says the angels had to come minister to him or he would have died there in the garden because all our junk is so much that no one could bear it. It says that he went to the whipping post to bear our sicknesses, our diseases. He took the stripes for our healing. And then he went to the cross so that we could be born again. So we would be a fit fit habitation for the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the living God? It is. Now, what I want to get to is that you're one with him. That you are actually one with him. Now, what does that mean? One with him. Do we have any idea what that means? One with him? I'm going to go off on sounds like a tangent, but I want you to follow with me. If we take and we're going to bake a cake, how do you do that? You get several ingredients, right? There's flour. There's usually some milk and oil, butter, eggs, sugar, all these things that make a cake batter. They're all laid out there, right? Well, which one of those ingredients puts itself into the mixing bowl? Which one? None of them. Yeah. You are, you are the one that puts it all in the bowl, aren't you? Okay. And then you mix it up, right? Because if you don't, it's not going to be a very good cake. You mix it up, and you pour it in a pan, and you bake it, right? Now, I want to ask you a question. Once you have that cake batter mixed, does it look like any of the ingredients? It's all mixed together, isn't it? Okay. And then you pour it into the pan, you put it in the oven, you bake it. Does it look like or taste like any of the ingredients anymore? Not at all. That's what's happened to you. Being made one with Christ. He picked you up as an ingredient. And he put you in the mixing bowl called the church. And you've been whipped together with me and everybody else around you. Everybody that names the name of Christ. You've been mixed together with them. Now, once you get that batter mixed all together, can you take the egg out? Can't, can you? You take the flour out, the sugar out. Can you take any of that out again? It's there, isn't it? Then the spirit, the wind of the spirit blows on that thing and causes it to come together. And when that cake is served... Buddy, it don't taste nothing like that batter. It's so much better. Now, doesn't it? This is what God is saying to us. He did not come to whitewash you over. He did not come to clean you up, run sandpaper over you and make you shiny. He come to give you life, to make him 
you and you him. To make you just like himself. You are the representative of Christ. You are bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, soul of his soul. You have been made into that cake called the church. You have been made into that. And you cannot separate yourself. You cannot. And we're worried about stubbing our toe and saying a bad word. When are we going to soar with Christ and quit focusing on sin and evil? When is that going to happen? That's not who you are. It's not who you are, focusing on sin, being worried about saying this word or that word. Be worried about, do I have on the right clothes? All that sort of stuff. Why do we focus on that? It's human nature. We are focused on sin. When we should be focused on Him. It's not who you are. You're not flour and eggs and sugar and oil anymore. You are cake. You are cake. Let those around you taste and see that the Lord is good. Because you are one with Him. One with Him. Now I'm going to read some more scripture here just to prove to you that what I'm saying to you is very scriptural. In John 17, this is before the Lord goes to the cross chronologically in time. But we also know Ephesians tells us he was slain from the foundation of the world. So, John 17, 11. And now I'm in the world no longer. But these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name. Those you have given me. So they may be one as we are. Can you tell Jesus from the Father? He said, I'm... We heard John Sheesby say that. He looks just like him. He looks just like him. He's the express intent of the Father. He looks just like him. So do you. So do you. Justin, Justice. Jake, we all come up here for a minute. Arlene. I want to show you something by demonstration here. <laughs> it's not going to be painful for anybody. Don't worry. Look at this guy. Look at this guy here. Can you? There is no way these two can deny this guy or this one. Look at him. This guy is in here. And this guy is in here. Same way over here. And same way for mom. We see that all the time, don't we? We see that all the time. Look right back here at the Bustamante family. Beautiful. They all look 
You can't, they can't deny each other. Look at them. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you. Isn't that wonderful? And we have that same look of Christ in us. Yes, we do. We cannot deny Him because we are Him. And He is us. We are one. One with Him. In the 21st verse, He says that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. How is the world going to believe that he was sent? Look in the mirror because you look like Papa. You look like Papa and Papa looks like you. Now, I've got more scripture than I could possibly read. So, um, so many are one body in Christ and each members of one another. That's Romans 12.5. I don't want to read you something uh, out of 1 Corinthians 6.17. This is the contemporary English version. It says, but anyone who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with Him. Anyone. Now, who does that cover? Is there an exception in here? Is there anybody in here that's not an anyone? No. If you're in Christ, you're an anyone. You're in Him. By the Spirit, by the Spirit, by the heat, you've been made a cake. By the heat of the Spirit, you've been made a cake. Because we, we go to 1 Corinthians ten seventeen in the message it says, because there is one loaf, one loaf, our manyness becomes oneness. Christ does not become fragmented in us, rather we became unified in Him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are, He raises us to what He is. Glory to God. If that ain't shouting ground, there ain't none. The King of kings, the King of the universe, the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave has made us like Him. We are one with Him. Praise His holy name. Man, I couldn't keep a hold of myself when I was getting this stuff together, man. This is, talk about good news. Wow. And here we are, we go to work Monday morning. Well, bless you, brother, we're glad to be here. Where does that stuff come from? Distraction. Distraction. I love what John G. Lake says in his book. He says, if hell has one characteristic, it is that of distraction. Focus on who he's made you. That you are one with the Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.12 in the message says this. 
You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you are still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. Now, does Mike look like Kent? No. Does Mike and Kent have the same talents? No. But I am very pleased that both of them are here. It's because they're different don't mean they're not part of the same body. Now, I'll hear something else. Does Justice look exactly like Jake? No. They don't do the same talents necessarily. But aren't you glad they're both here? I sure am. So we're individuals that does not reduce Christ to fragments, but we are one in Him because we make up His body. We are one with Him and one in Him. Okay, now let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, By means of His one Spirit, this is in the message, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large, integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. That is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, His Spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female or hyphenated American or whatever you want to throw in there, they never apply. They no longer are useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. How can you keep God's uncreated life in a narrow little racial box? You can't. How can you keep it in your human traditions? You can't. It supersedes it. It blows it away. We can't do that because we are part of something greater. We are one. With Him and one in Him. One. I want to move to Second Corinthians now and show you a couple of things there that I think we're still in the message. Second Corinthians 5.14, it says this. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has, first, has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision to work from, from, to work from, not work to, because we're working from this place, from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. You look at your neighbor because 
because they don't sing and play don't mean they're not a vital part of the body of Christ. Because they don't get up here and share the word does not mean that they're not a vital part of the body of Christ. Because you don't see them at every meeting does not mean that they're not a vital part of the body of Christ. I want to tell you something very frankly. If you're here every time the door is open, get a life. Seriously. We love you and all that, but get out among them. Let them taste that cake and see that the Lord is good. says, He included everyone in His death so that everyone could also be included in His life. How many is everyone? Everyone? That's everybody? All? Okay. Wow. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by the way by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. And what's he saying there? He's saying if you evaluated Jesus on the surface of what you saw while he was on the earth, he was a complete and total failure. He hadn't... Crowds of thousands following him. And at the end, he was hanged on a cross, crucified. One of his disciples was at the foot of the cross. One. His name is John. That was it. Looked like a complete and total failure. Yet, he took the thing we fear most, death itself, took it into himself and canceled it for us. So that we have life, that Zoe life at the very core of us that permeates through us. So that we have life on every level. Now 17 says, now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Burgeons means it bursts forth. You can't contain it. When you're baking a cake, does it not smell out all through the house? Yes, it does. And if you're not careful and don't keep your door shut, the neighbors are going to smell it too. And pretty soon they're going to be showing up with a gallon of milk saying, let's get after it. Right? If they're smart neighbors. That's who we are. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and Him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's Galatians 3.26. I'm going to read that to you one more time. For you are all Sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And the 327 says, For as many as were baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. In other words, you've been mixed in that batter. 
There cannot be Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is no male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. There is no separation. You can't separate yourself. John in the 10th chapter talks about my sheep hear my voice. And another they will not follow. I have them in my hand. And no man can take them out of my hand. My father is much stronger than I am. And no way is there any way that he comes out of my hand. I want to give you a description of that hand. The span of that hand tells us in Isaiah that he measures the universe with the span of his hand. That's from here to here. From here to here. Our little pitiful Milky Way galaxy, the one that we live in, is a hundred thousand light years across. Light travels at 186,000 feet per second. If you could travel at light speed for 100,000 years, that's how long it would take you to get across our galaxy. And ours is the smallest one. There's billions of galaxies that we know of because of the Hubble telescope now. Now I want you to think about it. Are you going to jump out of Papa's hand? Come on. As good as I can do is about six inches. So I want you to think about jumping across the universe to jump out of Papa's hand. But here's what we tell people. They mess up. They kick the dog. They cuss the cat. The wife screams at them. Whatever happens. We say because it's not perfect. Because we lost our cool. Now we're out of Christ. Here's Christ in this hand. But because we messed up, we jumped out, and here we are, way down here. Now, how do we get back? How do we get back? You don't, because you never left. Okay? Guess what happened to your sin? It's gone. He took it away. You can't fall out of His hand. There's no way. Now, does that mean I'm advocating you to just... Go crazy. Absolutely not. I'm going to give you an example of what I mean by that. And it's kind of a personal example. I was working with a uh, guy that grows calves. And his wife had some information we needed so we could help him keep his feed pulled together. So we go over to her house where she's working on paying the bills there. She's sitting there at the table, and she's got all her stuff spread out, and she's working on paying the bills. And she finds out we went to Red River, and we heard about Grace from Clark Whitten, you know, which is wonderful. He says that because we're righteous, made righteous by Christ, that you're righteous. Okay? All right, let me ask you a question. We're going to stump the church world. We're going to say, okay, what makes me righteous? Well, Christ makes me righteous. There's no other way to get righteousness. Okay? Well, can an unrighteous man do a righteous deed? One that's not in Christ, can he do something that's right? Of course he can. Okay. 
Can a righteous man do something that's not right, unrighteous? Can he do an unrighteous deed? Of course he can. Okay, now the unrighteous man that does the righteous deed, does that make him righteous? No. Okay, all right, the righteous man that does the unrighteous deed, does that make him unrighteous? You'll stump 90% of the Christian world right there. But no, because he didn't get his righteousness from his deeds to start with. He got them from Christ. He got the righteousness from Christ. So therefore he has peace. He has peace with Christ. Everything's been made right. Okay? You can't get there any other way. Okay, but we are worried about keeping the rules. We're worried about jumping through all the hoops. Can I tell you to stop doing that and quit? Just be cake, okay? Just be cake. That's all you got to do. Enjoy life because He made it that way for you. You are who He made you to be. You are one. With Him. You cannot not be one with Him. No matter what kind of mess you make. Now, am I saying to you that we practice sin? Absolutely not. Back to the example. This lady is there with all her bills spread out. She's got all the checkbooks out there. She's doing the bills for the calf operation, for the home, for everything. All right. She's sitting there with all these bills. She said, you know, I don't know about that deal up there at Red River because if you tell people that, well, they'll, that gives them a license to sin. I like what Joseph Prince says about that. They're sinning without a license. <laughs> there is no license to sin. It, you just... There it is. Okay? But He, because you have faith in Him, has taken your sin away. You can't have it no more. It's not yours anymore. He took it away. He didn't cover it up so He could pop it back out on you when you get to the judgment seat. Wake up. Smell the coffee. It's gone. Seriously. So she's there writing out the checks, and I say to her, wow. Hey, Marcy, you got all this money here at Rogers. Isn't that cool? He just turns it to her, and he's out there making them calves grow. And she's in the house writing them checks out. And I said, you could have a big time on that money. You could run off to Hawaii and Spend all of Roger's money, buy yourself a brand new Cadillac and new hairdos and fur coats and all that stuff. She says, oh, I wouldn't do that to Roger. Why wouldn't she do it to Roger? Because she loves him. She's not about to do anything to hurt him. You know why? Because she's one with him. She's one with him. 
Are you one with Christ? Of course you are. You've been made one with Christ. You've been made one with Him. Because you've made some mistakes since you've been born again, that's not who you are. That's who you were. Walk off and leave it behind you. Because He's not looking at it. You quit looking at it. Is it going to help you any? No. Are you going to spend His bank account Are you going to bankrupt Christ? I don't think so. There's no way to do that. So quit looking at sin. Realize who you are one with. You are one with Him and one in Him. You cannot be separated. Now... I got a whole bunch more on being sons of God. But I want to just give you this couple of scriptures. And then we're going to be done. Galatians 4, 7 says in the message, doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? And if you are a child, you are also an heir and with complete access to the inheritance. Man, there is no reason you shouldn't smell and taste like cake. It's all yours. It's been given freely. Romans 14, 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 8, 16 says, God's Spirit makes us sure that we are His children. Oh, wow. It, gets, it goes on and on and on. I could read Scripture to you from now till Tuesday morning about being sons of God, about being one in Him and one with Him. But what I want you to do is be cake. Be cake. Because you can't separate yourself. Why would you want to? Nobody in here is that dumb. Nobody in here is that dumb. I don't think there's anybody out there that dumb. They just don't know it. They don't know it. And that's our job, to be cake. To smell like and taste like and be like Him. Because we are Him. We are Him. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're encouraged to know that you are flesh of His flesh, bone of His bone, blood of His blood, soul of His soul, that you have His mind. Now, there's going to be a lot of people, when you tell them things like this, they are going to say, who do you think you are? I am a son of God. That's who I am. That's exactly who the Word of God tells me I am. I'm going to tell you one other thing, and we're going to be done. 
I want you to live up to the Word of God. Don't let your experience in life, we all got problems. Tell me, I could ask for everybody to raise their hand and have problems. There ain't no use in that. Every one of us have problems, okay? Here's the Word of God. Here's our life experience. Don't let your life experience pull the Word of God down here. Let the Word of God pull your experience up here. That's how you're cake. Knowing who you are and don't ever let go of it. Know who you are and never let go of it. Because this world will tell you all kinds of things that are half-truths, that are twisted just a little bit. Because you did this in your youth, because you had this problem, because you're having problems now, oh, you're not blessed of God. You couldn't be blessed of God if you don't have a full bank account, fleet of cars, and just everything you want, and everything works perfect for you. Right? If you believe that baloney, you have not read the Word of God. You think there was anybody more anointed than John who lay on Jesus' breast? They tried to boil him in oil. Oil would not boil, praise God. So, yeah, we got problems in this old life. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote about that. He said, if you took all the evil in the world where we seem to focus and we rolled it up in a ball, this is how little evil is compared to God. We rolled it up in a ball. And we hurled it at heaven. And there was a little bluebird flying by. Little bluebirds are about this big. Their little bluebird flying by. It would not even be enough to change his thought, much less his direction. That's how much more powerful God is than evil. And you are him. And he is you. You are cake. Let somebody have a bite. Praise the Lord. If you feel like you need a little dose of confidence, let the Spirit work on you. Let Him fill you. Get in the Word of God and let Him do His thing because He is awesome. And because he is awesome, so are we. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>